Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. So we won the evangelicals. We won with young. We won with old. We won with highly educated. We won with poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. That was the big news last night. He loves the poorly educated. Are they his ticket to the White House? Let's ask Bill Crystal, editor of the Weekly Standard. Bill, thanks for your time. Good to be with you, Michael. I love that. I don't think I've ever expected to hear a presidential candidate say those words. I love the poorly educated. Uh, what, a, uh, what, a, what, a, what a year. Huh? Bill, I can, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm starting my bumper sticker machine right now just for this. I love the poorly educated. <laughs> Donald Trump, I love the poorly educated. Vote Trump. And the great thing about that is that you don't have to worry about spell check or anything, because really, are the poorly educated going to notice that? <laughs> So that is the question, though. Is that going to be the divide in this race? The people who feel like there are elitists sneering at them over comments like that versus the people who say, you know, wow, we we do need other than in addition to maybe less than less than a high school degree. We also need college uh, degree voters because they are more likely to vote. And right now, Trump is losing them by 10 points versus Hillary Clinton. I mean, what's funny is that Trump is the one who's kind of being condescending there, presumably, right? He's categorizing people by education instead of by, you know, common sense or citizenship or, or contributions to the country or serving in the military or a million other things which are more important than what, you know, what year you decided to stop go to class in some boring uh, school or, or college or university. Um, yeah, that's one of the divides in the race, but I think it's foolish to focus on that, actually, and to hope that somehow, you know, there'll be more college-educated in later states, and there may be, and that'll hurt Trump a little. That, all that's fair enough as a kind of election analysis, but at this moment, the key for those who think Trump shouldn't be president, and I'm one of them, is to fight Trump. I mean, to stop sort of analyzing and navel-gazing and do what they can in the states they live in, and if they're donors, give money to efforts to stop Trump. If they're supporting another candidate, encourage them to attack Trump. I mean, I'm just after last night in Nevada, I think Cruz and Rubio are back sniping at each other. Well, of That's course, right. you know, if they snipe at each other, Trump's going to sail free. If there's no big advertising campaign to point out what Trump's career looks like, what positions he's taken, you know, whether he's really has the temperament, the judgment, and the character to be president, well, then voters are going to say, you know, he's saying a lot of things I believe in. He's taken on the media. He's taken on the liberals. He's a colorful, interesting, entertaining guy. And why shouldn't I be for him? We're talking to Bill Crystal, editor of the Weekly Standard. Uh, the argument has been it doesn't matter if you attack Trump, uh, Bill Crystal, because his poorly educated voters don't care and they'll just it'll roll off, et cetera. But I saw an interesting statistic this morning, $215 million spent on ads so far, 4% of that spent attacking Donald Trump. Maybe the answer to why attacking Trump doesn't work is because nobody's done it. No, that's a really good point, and I hadn't seen that number. That's amazing. But also the way in which you look at it, I was guilty of this too. The people thought, well, you know, you get the silver bullet, you point out this comment about John McCain or about George W. Bush or about health care in Sweden or whatever, and that's going to kind of pop the bubble and he'll go right. away. No, no, that didn't happen. It hasn't, didn't happen. Some of us thought it might. It didn't. And it's not going to happen, clearly. And as a core of voters, who are just going to stick with him no matter what. But is he immune to the normal laws of criticism? I mean, if people learn certain things about him, might his vote not go down in a certain states from 32 to 28 to 25 to 21? I mean, that makes a big difference if you're running in a race. And and, and I do think we don't know yet what more um, information, more attention to some of his views, some of his history would do. And it, as you say, it hasn't been really tried. 
You know, there's a, there are two kinds of conversations going on. One conversation is don't panic. Trump has 79 delegates. Cruz has 16 and right. uh, Rubio has 15. You need 1,237 delegates to win. This is like the, the first inning of a nine-inning game. And the fact that Trump has a big lead is, you know, is real. But don't panic. He, 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 you know, he, you got plenty of, of ways to get delegates and stop him from being the nominee. The other side, Bill, and uh, our friend uh, John Podortz, I think, is leading this movement, is the everybody panic now. Panic. <laughs> we, we need to stop being rational and just panic on this. Jonah Goldberg has proposed a Rubio Cruz ticket that the GOP bigwigs like you should get together and force upon them and have them run against Trump for the rest of the time to stop him. So which camp are you in, Bill Crystal? I'm sort of in between them. I mean, I think if you want to use the baseball analogy, it's like being down. You're down maybe four zip, something like that, after the, in the second inning. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Maybe you pull your pitcher and you, you sort of have a different strategy, or if it's a basketball game, you're down 12 points at the end of the first quarter. You don't just keep doing what you're doing. Maybe you press. Maybe you uh, bring in a couple of substitutes. But you don't panic. Panic is not a good uh, basis on which to make decisions, and it doesn't do much good. And it is early, really. It is like being 12 points down at an NBA game at the end of the first quarter. You'd prefer to be 12 points up. Most teams win. More teams win when they're 12 points up than 12 points down. But it's not unheard of to come back from 12 points down. And I think the key, again, is you haven't sort of like you've been playing a passive defense. Let's see how he handles a full-court press. Let's see what happens if Rubio, for example, who I think is now the most likely to, to beat Trump, if anyone can, attacks him in the debate tomorrow night. Right. That's not happened at all, right? And Cruz, who's a formidable debater, if he sustains the attack instead of taking one shot and then, and then backing off, and if there's TV advertising, and, and if some of these candidates do a better job making their own case, too, including incorporating what's true about Trump's complaints about the political elites right. and Wall Street and, and so forth. So, you know, I'm somewhere in between the panic and complacency camps. I'm certainly against complacency, but I don't think, and I think this notion that magically someone's going to produce a ticket or Cruz is going to get out tomorrow or, you know, that's just silly. And, and, and people, you know, there are ways to fight that are intelligent, and then there are just ways that are sort of like if you're 12 points down in a basketball game, sort of let's imagine we had a six foot ten center who was a great, who had a fantastic, you know, shot from 15 feet. Well, you can't imagine things and and change the course of events. Uh, we're talking to Bill Crystal with the Weekly Standard. Um, you know, Trump even commented that Rubio hasn't come after him. People have asked me why I haven't attacked Rubio because he has had to attack me, and I and I agree. I mean this. To me, we've seen the path. We saw it in South Carolina, in fact, where Trump's numbers sagged and sagged uh, as uh, as he, uh, you know, as that week went by. And Rubio came out of nowhere from a disastrous New Hampshire performance to jump into second place. I mean, you can see what happens when uh, Donald Trump is when, you know, when you take him on, he doesn't like it and he gets cranky and he's more off putting and it reminds people what they don't like about him. And so the, the argument that, well, Michael, we're just going to gather the delegates. We're not going to just gather the delegates right. if you keep you know, losing by a wide margin across uh, uh, the uh, SEC primary states. It's 595 delegates, 
And there's a big difference between Trump getting 350 of them and Trump getting 190 of them. That's a big difference. I totally agree. I think it's likely he'll get half of them or maybe even slightly more than half. But let's just say 300 is very different. 325, as you say, is, is very different from 425, which isn't out of the question. Nope. If if Cruz doesn't really uh, dominate Texas, which he should be able but, to but do. But he can't because it's got uh, congressional district winner take all or, or you know, uh, uh, proportional and well, it's got it's state plus, proportional. No one's going to get 50 percent. No, no, no. He can get 50 percent no congressional way. districts. And, oh, oh, no, no. You're at, you're, you're at and right. That, and then in the congressional district you kind of win the wall. No, yeah. I agree. Look, I mean, but if he gets, it makes a big difference if he gets 100 delegates or 50, obviously. Yes. So yeah, these things matter, but I agree with you. There's no magic bullet, silver bullet. I mean, but, but the numbers matter, and going into March 8th and 15th, it really does matter if Trump is, let's say, about 50% of the delegates selected so far, or 60 or 40, right. you know, that's a big difference. Um, so I very much agree. And with Rubio in particular, I just think his team is underestimating how important it is to show voters out there who are undecided, yep. uncertain, that he can take on Trump. To be the man, you got to beat the man. I, and Rubio's got to step up and do that. You are right, so right. And this is what I want to find, finish up with, which is this part of the, of the aspect. I think this in, encounter between Donald Trump and a, a protester the other night that I'm going to play for you really summarizes why Trump is winning. Here's a guy throwing punches, nasty as hell, screaming at everything else when we're talking. And he's walking out, and we're not allowed, you know, the guards are very gentle with him. He's walking out like big high fives, smiling, laughing, like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. And I honestly mean it, Bill. I think that is Donald Trump's best pitch for voting for Donald Trump, that there are people in the world who need a punch in the face. ISIS, China, you know, all you know, America's enemies, you know, whoever you perceive those as, perceive them as. And they need a punch in the face. And, the only, and if someone asked me, as much as I am anti-Trump, if who's the only guy who's running who actually would really, really take the fight without apology to the bad guys? I got to say, based on what I've seen, it's Trump. And I think if Rubio lets that continue to be the dynamic, it's, it's very problematic. Why can't Rubio show, you know what, I know who the bad guys are and I can uh, punch them in the face when they need it, too? Yeah, I think he actually would and believes in it. And I think he's been, you know, look, he's a nice guy and an affable guy. And a lot of his appeal is likability. And I, he's gone very far on that. But it's like, and again, if you're in a, you had a good season in a basketball, uh, in basketball, you get into the playoffs. You can't just, you know, what, what got you there may not be quite exactly what's going to get you over the final, in the semifinal, let you win in the semifinals or the finals, to, to pursue this analogy further. And you may have to change a little <laughs> bit when you're playing a better team, right? And Rubio mm-hmm. sort of has done great playing B and B-plus teams by being a really affable, nice guy who's very smart and well-spoken and inspiring. You also have to show when you're now playing, you know, in the semifinals or finals, that you're tough enough to prevail. So, yeah, I think that is key for Rubio. I agree. It is, to me, the key. Show that you can be tough, too. You've already got the policy stuff down. Republicans already want to support you. And show that you can be the man. What did you say? To, to be the man, you got to beat the man? Yeah, isn't that what they say? That's, some, my, some... that's my Rubio bumper sticker right there. And I'm trying to decide between these two bumper stickers for Trump. I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. Or... I love the poorly educated. How about uh, I love the poorly educated? I want to punch. No, that's not going to work. I, I'm, I'm just trying to I'm, just work with me here. I'm just trying to make it work. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Hey, Michael, thanks. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.